stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. 5.06 on a Saturday. Weekend Live is the program. I'm Sam Shane, and we're live in the KFBK studio. Thanks for joining us tonight. Phone number here, 916-921-1530. 1-800-834-1530. On a very nice Saturday evening as we get ready to roll into Saturday night, someone turned the fan down today, which was nice. The wind yesterday was horrible. And lots of people who suffer from allergies were really struggling. So hopefully you're not one of them, and hopefully you're feeling okay. we got a lot to get to here in the next two hours. We're here till 7 o'clock. We're live every Saturday evening from 5 to 7 on Weekend Live here on KFBK, 1530 a.m. You can also hear us online, of course, at kfbk.com, or you can pick up the iHeartRadio app and listen in as well. Uh, Among the topics we're going to get to here in the next couple of hours, there's a local city where the government is actively monitoring posts on social media by the residents. They're paying to do this. They're mining the information. Uh, We'll tell you where we're going to get a response uh, from the mayor and some concerns. Also, President Trump, take a look back at his week. Uh, Three prisoners released by North Korea. Uh, We will hear what he had to say following that. There's some new studies out overwhelmingly the coverage on President Trump once again for the second year in a row is negative and his approval ratings are going up. So what does that mean? There is a message there in terms of the media and the people of this country and we're going to dig deeper into that. There's a woman running for Congress in California and she says not a blue wave but a red wave will overtake the state of California in the next round of elections. What is she smoking or is she on to something? We will hear her thoughts coming up in the next couple of hours. And also, there's a big name in Hollywood who has come forward. And he says, California colleges are discriminating against conservative voices. This is not the usual suspect that we hear out of Hollywood. And we'll hear why he thinks that is such a problem in the state of California and what he recommends we as Californians do about it. The time now is 508. The phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. And we begin this Saturday evening with a story out of West Sacramento. West Sacramento is the first city to launch a rather controversial new program where they watch what people post about it online. It's a pilot project. It gives the city leaders a look at what's trending in the city. Whether it's good or it's bad, they take a look at it. And it is, as you can imagine, creating privacy concerns around how the data is being used. So all of this centers on a thief or thieves who were stealing mail. And that's how it all started. And it has mushroomed from there. So before we hear from the mayor of West Sacramento on why they're doing this, first we will hear from a resident of Sacramento, upon hearing that her city leaders are monitoring social media posts of residents, the taxpayers who pay the salaries of city leaders, one of them had this to say. That is a little creepy for the city to be watching what we post. It is a little creepy, but they're doing it on social media. So people in West Sacramento who go on social media and they post on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, It is being monitored by a company that is being paid by the city of West Sacramento. Phone number is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. 
So now let's get to the mayor of West Sacramento, Christopher Cabaldin. And before we get into his response and why he says the city is doing this and why it is troubling, I need to say this. I'm a big fan. I think Christopher Cabaldin has done wonderful things for the city of West Sacramento, particularly in the area of city development. When you look at the development around Rayleigh's Field, when you look at the improvements that are made along the waterfront, the waterfront is a whole other issue, by the way. Why that waterfront has not been developed for decades is one of the great mysteries of Sacramento. It's a terrific piece of property. I mean, could you imagine sitting out on a deck at a restaurant overlooking that city on the river? How that's never been developed is somebody knows the answer because there's got to be an answer. But I've never been able to figure that out, and I guess that's a topic for another show. But Christopher Cabaldin has been working very, very hard on cleaning up not only the image but the streets of the city of West Sacramento, and he's done a tremendous job. But on this count, I think he falls short. It's concerning when any government in America is monitoring data and recording and keeping data on its people. But he says he has a justification for it. So West Sacramento Christopher Cabaldon now says that they've done this recently to catch these thieves who have been breaking into mailboxes. That's something that we might not have noticed just by waiting for people to come to City Hall. So we're being proactive is the line from Christopher Cabaldon. We're taking charge. We're getting out there and we're going to find out before people come to us to City Hall to find out what they're thinking, what's going on, and what the posts are. That's how he defends this decision. I want to tell you a little bit about this company that they use. They're using a company called Zen City. It's one word, Z-E-N-C-I-T-Y. And they've developed this system that goes through these publicly available social media posts, as I mentioned, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And they take all of this data and they sort through it to find out what people are talking about, whether it's positive or negative. So they contract with Zen City to monitor the public posts of their residents. And Cabaldon says that they use this high-tech program, known as Zen City, to mine the social media posts. So here's how he says it works. So Zen City basically spiders through publicly available social media posts and uses artificial intelligence to spider through it and say, okay, what are, the, what are people talking about? What are the key words? What are the key themes? What are the key topic areas? And then are people negative about it or positive about it? And then gives us feedback about the sentiment of the community. So they get feedback. Zen City goes through all of these posts and they look at algorithms and what's positive, what's negative on any particular topic. And then the city leaders take in all of that information and they store it and they have it. Time now is 513. The phone number 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Now in the wake of the Facebook Cambridge analytical data scandal, there are concerns now in America over data collection. In general, not just in particular cities like West Sacramento. Some are worried that the data is going to the wrong places, falling into the wrong hands. So there are always ways that this could go wrong. This was from Peter Eckersley, 
who was with the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Direct quote, once you get into policing, there are many more potential concerns around the use of artificial intelligence. Civil libertarians are having a, a problem with this, with what they're doing in West Sacramento, mining the public posts on social media websites by the residents of West Sacramento. We have more from Christopher Cabaldon to play for you on the other side, where he gives more reasoning as to why they're doing this. And is this public or private information? Does the city have a right to get after this? Time now is 514. The phone number is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. I'm Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live on KFBK. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio, KFBK. House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi said this week, if Democrats win and take control, they're raising taxes. More on that statement coming up here in the next uh, hour and a half here on Weekend Live. Thanks for joining us. I'm Sam Shane here at KFBK. This is Weekend Live. The time now is 520. The phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Uh, give us a call and let us know what you think. Do you post online on social media websites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, about what's going on in your neighborhood, in your city? And if you do, would it be okay with you if your city leaders in your city government in your city hall would monitor that data, record that data, and store that data, whatever it is that you write, positive, negative, or in between? Are you okay with that? Is that any of their business? Is that what they should be doing? Or do you pay your taxes for them to build roads, build schools, and have police and fire department at the ready? What is their job? What is their mission? What are your thoughts? 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. So in West Sacramento, that's what they are doing. They are monitoring the social media posts of their residents through an outfit called Zen City. They're paying them $12,000 a year to do this. So it's costing taxpayers $12,000 to have their data recorded and stored that's posted on public social websites. So it all started when there were some thieves or a thief stealing mail, and then it mushroomed into other stories which arose in West Sacramento, the closure of a Safeway store, the murder of a couple of sisters at the hands of their father, and so on and so on. So as these developments unfolded throughout West Sacramento, people would go online and they would post. And unbeknownst to many of them, very likely, the city of West Sacramento was watching and recording and noting and storing and keeping. And here is the mayor of West Sacramento, Christopher Cabaldon, who has defended this practice, saying it just means that our city and our police are proactive. We're getting out in front of this story. And he defended the use in a recent interview of Zen City. It's not that, that Zen City replaces our other forms of civic engagement. It's just a way to, to listen more. So it's another tool. 
It's another tool to monitor the public, to keep their eyes on the public, to make sure they understand what the public is thinking, what's the mood, gives them a better insight into the people that they represent. But is that any of their business? Should they be able to take a look at all of this stuff that all of the people of West Sacramento write and do what they please with it? Cabaldon says yes, because he says, and this is a valid point, since social media comments are public, and they are, there are no privacy issues, he says. No privacy issues because we're not opening up anything that hasn't already been published publicly for the purpose of being public. He's right. On that point, he's right. Once you launch a message into the Internet world, it's out there. It's public. But do we have... Do we have the expectation, maybe, that some of this stuff doesn't necessarily need to be always recorded? And is that really the business of the government leaders of West Sacramento? The phone number is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Are you worried at all about Big Brother, and could this become a trend in your city? Give us a call and let us know. Time now is coming up on 525. Want to move on to the rest of the stack. Big week this week for President Trump. There was that picture of him standing with the leaders of his administration, including the Vice President and the Secretary of State Pompeo, with the three men, the prisoners, who were released by the North Korean government. It is the type of picture that virtually any administration, any chief of staff of any White House in the history of this country would love to have. From a political standpoint, it was a huge victory for the Trump administration. The inroads that they have made in the relationship with the North Korean government and Kim Jong-un coming to the table and actually discussing dismantling nuclear weapons denuclearizing the entire peninsula was never even thought of maybe as recently as a year ago or maybe even six months ago certainly not before the Olympics and we have seen for the first time in decades unification between South and North Korea it was a resounding victory for President Trump and we will play a few sound bites from him, audio clips momentarily. But there was also news this week with regards to President Trump. His approval ratings are going up. And there's yet another new media study out this past week from Reuters, which once again for the second year in a row shows that his administration has been receiving 91% negative coverage. Nine out of ten stories done by the media in this country on this president and his administration are negative. 
Now, according to the average polls by Real Clear Politics, his approval rating is at 43%. He's up 6% since December. He's up 6% since December. So he's getting hammered by the press. And this is nothing new. When you compare what happened to the coverage just last year, there were two significant studies. In September of 2017, it was reported that the number of negative stories during June, July, and August from ABC's World News Tonight, CBS Evening News, and NBC Nightly News, again, 91% negative. That was a year ago. It's consistent this year. Harvard University did a study. Harvard is hardly a conservative university. They too found negative Trump coverage swamped positive Trump coverage in his first 100 days in office. It's been a consistent pattern. But what's different now is that his positive polling numbers are going up. And what does that mean? Maybe the influence of media in this country is diminishing. Just maybe. Maybe the negative stories are beginning to wash off the backs of the American people. Maybe they're not paying as much attention. Maybe they're saying, you know what? Unemployment is down at one of its lowest levels in decades. Maybe they're taking a look at the relationship that is being forged between North and South Korea, thanks in large part to the administration's efforts and Secretary of State Pompeo, who spent a couple of very significant visits with Kim Jong-un and his administration. Maybe they're taking a look at some of the advancements that are taking place. Unemployment is down. There have been tax cuts. The foreign policy seems to be working. Maybe the substance is beginning to shine over Russia, 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 and one scandal after another, and maybe they're starting to ignore that. Who knows? But those are the real trends out there. Those are the real numbers. Uh, We've got callers calling in, and we've got to get to those callers on the other side of the break, and I want to play some of the sound from uh, President Trump. So let's take a quick break. I'm Sam Shane. This is KFBK. We're back in a moment. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. We're rolling into a Saturday night. It's 535. This is Weekend Live on KFBK. I'm Sam Shane. Thanks for joining us here. The phone number is 916-921-1530. 1-800-834-1530. A lot of topics to get to here before we... End this show at 7 o'clock, but let's get to Ray right now. He's calling in from Rockland. Hi, Ray. How are you this evening? Excellent. I'm really glad you have this show, uh, Mr. Shane. I heard you two times uh, substituting for the for Mr. Walsh, and uh, I, the way you posit theories and questions doesn't make anybody take uh, offense or anything. It makes you think. Thank you. About what, what it is you're saying, and I think... Um, you know, having been in the army, and then my father was in the army. Right, he he got he was an officer right after the Korean War ended. He was in Korea, and we had he was a very liberal, and I'm not. 
<laughs> okay. Um, he he would make certain comments about World War Two, and I would tell him things like, "Well, it's a good thing that uh, we won World War Two. We'd all be driving Japanese and German cars today in the United States." He never seemed to grasp that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet not. I bet not. Anyway, but... about about Mr. Uh, Kim Jong Un. Yep. When you're in sports and you go against somebody and you're giving it all and you hate their guts, and then you have the game or whatever, you one side's the victor and then you can respect each other. And it was the same way in in certain of the conflicts that when they ended, like with Germany and with Japan, and ultimately the Soviet Union fell. But you know, you have that respect for the opponent. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't think I go ahead. Well, my question is. Uh, when President Trump used the term rocket man to describe uh, Kim Jong-un, did you find that offensive? Because there were those who thought that that would really tear apart the negotiations, that that would lead us down the wrong path, that it was too rhetorical. And then there are others who say, no, this was actually very effective in bringing Kim Jong-un to the table. Right. It's like, you know, the kind of similar kind of taunts that you would, sorry, I got a dog next to me here that you would have towards an opponent in a, in an athletic match, you know, mm-hmm. it's like nothing different than that same, you know, we are the superior power and you're not. And then it seems like at some point, maybe the Olympics was part of it where he realized he has an opportunity to make something really good for his country. I don't have any hatred for North Koreans or their leadership. You know, it's just, it would be great to have, have them be able to bring the Eighth Army home off to of that border. Well, yeah, and and Ray, who wants who wants that country, a country like that with unstable leadership, to have the capabilities of nuclear weapons to be launched over Japan and potentially at the United States and potentially exactly. at South Korea? I, nobody right. wants that. It's not a matter of liking or not liking a people. Right. Yeah, I agree with you completely there. Mm-hmm. And, oh. um, are you, and you're 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 are you are you good with how President Trump handled uh, the Iran situation this week? Yes, of mm-hmm. course. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, you know that it's the same thing. Um, ultimately, they're going to have to agree that they do not have nuclear weapons, but I don't think that's a negotiation point for them. So, well, I mean, how do you believe them? Uh, you know, the verifi- the verification is it's just a it's a it's a big old can of worms that. We've been going round and round with Iran for as long as I can remember on on verification alone, much less yeah, whatever right. the deal was. So right, you're absolutely right. Ray, thanks a lot. I appreciate the phone call. Calling in from uh, Rockland tonight, talking about North Korea. Let's get to a couple of these uh, quick sound bites. By the way, if you want to join the the uh, conversation here, the phone number is nine one six nine two one fifteen thirty one eight hundred eight three four fifteen thirty. This is President Trump after the three prisoners. Uh, are brought in on, on a plane. Vice President Pence was there. Secretary of State Pompeo was there. It was a pretty grand moment for this administration. And President Trump said at the time that this release is a great sign, but he says it's not his proudest achievement. Proudest achievement will be, this is a part of it, but will be when we denuclearize that entire peninsula. This is what people have been waiting for for a long time. Nobody thought we could be on this track in terms of speed. So I'm very honored to have helped the three folks. They're great people. So the president saying with these three men standing next to him, no, this is not my proudest moment. 
My proudest moment will be the next accomplishment. He has a bigger plan. And he acknowledged that when reporters said, is this your proudest moment? And he could have stood up on the stage and said, yeah, this is it. And then the next time, if he accomplishes the denuclearization and returns home, he could say, well, guess what? This is now my proudest moment. But this is a man who clearly has a goal. This is a president who, from the very beginning, his goal was to denuclearize North Korea and to get Kim Jong-un to the table. He also said that the timing of this release was actually a bit of a surprise. We very much appreciate that he allowed them to go before the meeting. It was sort of understood that we'd uh, be able to get these three terrific people during the meeting and bring them home after the meeting. And he was nice in letting them go before the meeting. I mean, frankly, we didn't think this was going to happen, and it did. That's significant. Because what we don't know about these discussions that take place with heads of state, with presidents and kings and queens and so on, is that there are weeks and months of negotiations that take place between the State Department and administration officials in both countries. These things are well choreographed, they're well planned. There hardly are ever any big surprises that come from them. Occasionally they will. There was the Camp David Accord many decades ago where we thought finally there would be peace in the Middle East. And it was a surprising turn of events. It didn't hold. But it's a rare moment when these type of talks actually produce a surprise. And that's what made that so significant. The president of the United States standing out on tarmac telling reporters, you know, we didn't think they were going to release them now. We thought they were going to do it later. And this is after weeks and weeks and weeks of discussions between his administration and the Kim Jong-un administration and the State Department and their diplomats. So that's why that was quite a surprise. He went on to say, and he sounded rather optimistic, that he believes that the upcoming talks with Kim Jong-un have great potential. I really think we have a very good chance of doing something very meaningful. And if anybody would have said that five years ago, ten years ago, even a year ago, you would have said that's not possible. And he's right about that. Nobody would have said this was possible. Five years ago, ten years ago, one year ago, maybe even six months ago. It's a stunning turn of events in foreign policy. It's a very big victory for this administration. No matter how you slice all the other things that are going on around him and his administration, and all the salacious stories that are being slapped on front pages and lead evening newscasts, when you look at the content of this one particular development in terms of foreign policy, no matter who the President of the United States is or would be in this situation, whether if this had happened when President Obama was in office, it would be significant. President Carter, President Clinton, President Bush, it, it matters not. It's stunning. 
And it happened quickly. So we talked a little bit about how his poll numbers have been going up, and we're going to take a break, and on the other side, we're going to play a little bit of more sound, and he gave a significant news conference this week also at the White House with regards to drug prices. This is a topic he talked about a lot on the campaign trail. He was very troubled by how much it's costing Americans to pay for over-the-counter drugs, and he promised to fix it. And he and his administration have been getting after it, and they made a major announcement on that front. And also about Nancy Pelosi telling us that they're going to raise taxes if the Democrats take over the House of Representatives. At least that's what her hope is. Time now is 545. The phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. My name is Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live. We're live on the air. Give us a call and join in on the discussion. We'll be back in a moment. KFBK Weekend Live News and Analysis on News Radio KFBK. Time now is 5.51 on a Saturday evening. Thanks for joining us. This is Weekend Live. My name is Sam Shane. Thanks for joining us. We are live in the KFBK studio until 7 o'clock tonight. You can join in on the conversation by calling 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. So Nancy Pelosi said on Thursday, the House Minority Leader, Democrat from California, of course, Democrats will raise taxes if they win the 2018 midterm elections. She said that tax cuts will be, quote, revised. Think that will impact the vote at all. Recently, Pelosi confirmed that she intends to return to the Speaker's chair if Democrats win the House back in the November elections. Now, if that were to happen, uh, there could be a pretty nasty fight within the Democratic Party as to who would be the Speaker of the House. There have been attempts to unseat her even when she was Speaker, and she fought very hard to hold on to that office. But she says that she intends to return to be Speaker of the House if the Democrats win majority of the House. Which, by the way, President Trump has said he believes that if Democrats win a majority of the House, that they will attempt to impeach him. Federal deficits, by the way, exploded when Pelosi was Speaker. She promised no new deficit spending, but the national debt also rose $5 trillion during that period. To be fair, it wasn't just Nancy Pelosi who jacked up our deficit. They all did. Every member of Congress who voted for more spending on both sides of the aisle owned that. It's theirs. It's not just on her. And there's plenty of blame to go around. Phone number is 916-921-1530, Coming up in the next half hour, there is a California Republican running for Congress who believes there is a red wave that will take over the state of California. That's right. In the bluest of blue states in America, she believes there's a red wave coming, a surprise vote, that people have had it. They are tired of the policies of the current Democrat leadership in the state of California. We will tell you more about her. We will hear from her 
and her reasoning as to why she thinks this is going to happen that's coming up in the next half hour. In the meantime, more on what President Trump did this past week. When he was campaigning for President of the United States, one of the issues that he attacked time and again on the campaign trail was the price of prescription drugs in America. And he made no bones about it. When he would stop on campaign stops all across the country, he said, Big Pharma is out of control and we need to rein this in. There is no reason why this medication needs to be costing Americans this much money. And so this week, out in the Rose Garden, At the White House, he held a press conference to talk about that. And since he has taken office, it has been a priority of his administration to rein in the spending and rein in the costs of prescription drugs for Americans. And the news conference is too long for us to play here, obviously. And he listed a number of items in which they have succeeded in cutting costs by getting through the red tape, by cutting out what he calls the middleman. And he said during the news conference, the middlemen have been making a lot of money, more money than you'd ever know. But he also talked about lobbyists in Washington, D.C. and how much money Big Pharma has been spending on lobbyists. The drug lobby is making an absolute fortune at the expense of American consumers. No industry spends more money on lobbying than the pharmaceutical health products industry. Last year, these companies spent nearly $280 million on lobbyists. That's more than tobacco, oil, and defense contractors combined. million in one year on drug lobbyists. Is it any wonder why we're paying so much? Are you seeing your bills go down? Is there any progress in this front as far as you're concerned? Phone number is 916-921-1530, And should the President and Congress continue to work on this problem. Is this a priority for you in your life? Healthcare costs, prescription drugs, medical costs. Are you glad he's going in that direction? You can give us a call and chime in 916-921-1530-1800-834-1530. Those were the highlights from President Trump on this week in which three prisoners from North Korea were set free and are now enjoying a free life on American soil at a time when the president's approval numbers are now rising. And it seems the tide has turned just a bit. I'm Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live on KFBK. The phone number is 916-921-1530, We'll be back more on the Republican woman running for Congress who says a red wave is about to take over the state. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. 
6.06 the time here. This is Weekend Live. We are live in the KFBK studio. I'm Sam Shane. Thank you for being with us. The phone number is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Give us a call. Join in on the discussion. We have one more hour of live radio here on KFBK. Boy, did you see there was quite the blow-up on the floor of the House of Representatives between a Republican, Mike Kelly, a congressman, and a Democrat from Southern California, Maxine Waters. And we're going to get to that in the next uh, 50 minutes or so. They went after each other. I haven't seen something like that in quite a while. Uh, Local Congressman Tom McClintock was actually the chair of the proceedings and tried to calm them down. So we'll, uh, we'll check in on that. Also, we're going to hear from a big name in Hollywood. Not one of the usual suspects, but a very big name. You'll recognize who this is, who has come out and said he's troubled by the fact that he believes that colleges in California are silencing and discriminating against conservative voices. And he says it is bad for our republic, it is bad for our discussion, and it's bad for our country. So we'll hear more about that. This came across my desk this week, and I found it very interesting. So we're going to dive into this. There is a young woman who is a California Republican, and she is running for Congress, and she says that she believes that a red wave is coming to the state of California. In the bluest of blue states in the United States of America, she believes that a red wave is on the way. Is that possible? What do you think? 916-921-1530. 1-800-834-1530. The reason why this woman's name is Morgan Murtaugh, a Republican running for Congress near San Diego, says that Californians are really upset about a number of issues. Number one, high taxes. Number two, sanctuary state laws. Number three, a porous border between Mexico and California. Her grandparents came to America from Mexico. And she says, in her estimation, building a wall is a national security issue. My grandparents, as you said, immigrated here from Mexico in 1968, seeking a better life for our family. And so I I really understand the... Uh, the need for having people here that are good people and hardworking Mexican immigrants, any immigrant. But the wall is a completely separate issue. Until two years ago, everyone knew that and understood that securing the border and reforming immigration is com- are two completely different issues. Securing okay. the border is about a national security issue. Morgan Murtaugh is running in the 53rd Congressional District. This is near San Diego. And she is making a very big distinction between immigration and national security. And that's where she's setting her boundaries in this debate. Jason from uh, Grass Valley is not on the line. (laughs) Thought he was on the line. I apologize. She is making this distinction in her discussion that it's not an immigration issue. It's a national security issue. But she also talks about the state sanctuary laws and the high taxes, and this is where she's really hitting home. She says people are just simply upset with the state of affairs in California, 
And that's why she says she really feels like there's this red wave coming in California. Phone number is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Is she onto something or is she out there? Here now is her bold prediction. She believes that there is this underground almost conservative movement that's afoot in California. It's under the radar and she believes that a red wave is coming. And everyone keeps saying that there's a blue wave coming, but in California, people are really uh, pissed off. Sorry for saying that, but they are. They're pissed off about taxes going up. I mean, the gas tax is just one example. Sanctuary state law is another example. People in California are upset with the state of affairs. So I really feel a red wave coming out here in California. She used a little colorful language there. Maybe people find that enduring, endearing, I should say. I don't know. Jason from Grass Valley is on the line. Hi, Jason. How yeah. are you tonight? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. What are your thoughts? I feel like, you know, often in life we get stuck into dichotomies, um, you know, dualistic thinking. It's either black or white, this or that, red or blue. Uh, so what I would like to offer is what I feel it's actually coming. And the reason nobody can anticipate it is because most all humans are typically stuck into either red or blue thinking is that there's like a purple that California is about to become purple, purple. And you, and you can, you can, you can say that I said it first here because trust me, I'm already purple. Okay. And so what does that, what does purple mean? Does that mean that you uh, feel one way about immigration and another way about taxes, or what does purple mean? It means that you're 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 li- you're liberal enough, and you know that you know we can't you you can't just be like hardcore and cold and, and absolutist and elitist, um, but at the same time you can't just be weak and 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 just allow you know uh, everything to walk all over you it's 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 some type of a a middle ground so to speak so it it it's 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 what we're all coming to and i feel that california is such the the pinnacle of this type of of experience of where uh, you know so jason uh, they yeah. the, the, that once upon a time that was called the reagan democrat or the bill clinton republican Right. Okay. They they captured what is known as the moderate voter who was in the middle. Right. And one of the criticisms that Megan Murtaugh has with the Democrats is that they have gone way too far to the left and they have they have given up on the on, on the moderate. And you're saying your purple vote is essentially a moderate vote. Yeah, and I'm saying that there's a ton of Democrats, the people that used to side with the Democrats, but they're so frustrated with that, and they have like slight Republican values. This is the see, this is the problem with dualistic thinking. If you study philosophy, in other words, it's either this or that. Mm-hmm. But reality is way more complicated. It's fuzzy logic. It's like a complicated mixture of webs, of networks, of information, of all the things that it takes for us all to get along and work together that we, I mean, it's amazing that we're all still here. There's a, there's a, there's a clip out there of uh, Roseanne Barr on with Jimmy Kimmel recently. And he asks her on his show, what happened to you? Why did you leave us? And she responded by saying, I didn't leave you. You all went so far left. Nobody knows who you are anymore. Was she right on there? 
I I kind of like her. I mean, you know, I I I can't lie. I'm a little bit of a Roseanne fan, but I mean, I mean, um, yeah, I think it's true, and 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 I think it it, it it's yeah, it, it, it's it's all true. But so there's both sides of the coin have something to say because there were a bunch of people who went way too far right and have always gone so far right that I want to almost say caused that left swing crazy you know if you get too puritanical suddenly like people mm-hmm. are just like becoming debaucherous so you'd like you know? to see you'd like to see both sides moderate and come to the middle more and that would satisfy your philosophy pol- pol- politically speaking correct kind of but more so to see that both sides dis- disappear dissolve into thin air and no one even remember who they were and a new party system and a bunch of like progressive thinking uh humans who feel the way that i what it is that i'm saying come together and have the ability to coordinate and link up to make a new party and it's forget about democrats and republicans J- ever again jason i think we're going to indoctrinate you as the chairman of the purple party in california for years to come thanks very much for the phone call from grass valley uh, time now is 6.15. We have Dave on the line, but we are not going to get to Dave one second, Dave. If you just hold on, because we do got we got to hit a quick break, but I want to get to you on the other side. Uh, more from Dave and from more from uh, Morgan Murtaugh and her belief that California is going to see a red wave coming. I'm Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live. The phone number 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. We're back in a moment. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio, KFBK. This program is called Weekend Live. And we are live, and I'm Sam Shane here at KFBK in the studio. Time now is uh, coming up on 622. The phone number is 916 921 1530. 1 800 834 1530. Luis, our producer, did a little checking, went online. And he found the Purple Party. <laughs> Their platform is love, understanding, and kindness. And at the bottom of the page, they tout that they are seen on MySpace.com. I think that went out of business about 150 years ago. I'm not sure. but So if the Purple Party is to make a resurgence, they are going to have to get up to speed on social media. we got to get to Dave. He's in Placerville. He's been kind enough to hang on through the break for us. Hi, Dave. How are you tonight? A little bit angry. Oh, no, why? Because I'm tired of everybody calling me a communist. Oh, you, they're calling you a communist? Hey, ever since I was a child in the 50s, the Reds were the communists. Right. Red Army, Red China, Red everything was communist. And now they're calling American conservatives communists? Who's calling American conservatives communists? Because I haven't heard that, Dave. Huh? Well, all I, the talk show hosts. So okay, now all right, all, right, all, right, all right, let's back it up here because okay, all right, Dave, hold on. I'm a talk show host, and I'm not calling any conservative a communist. Okay, so you can't say uh, all of them. Me. You talk about blues being the conservatives and uh, no reds, uh, liberals. No, 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 no. We did not do that. Uh, what did you say then? I said that California is the blue of the bluest states in America, which it is. It votes Democrat. That is the communists. The co- Democrat Party is a home of American communists. Okay, so how is it that you say that uh, you are being called a communist because you're red? Because I don't I'm follow a this. 
Yeah, but what does it have to do with being called a communist because you're red? Because you said that I'm a red. Okay, Dave, you know what? I think you and I could go round and round here for about four hours. Well, stop and think, here. <laughs> when they call it red communists, red China, red Russian reds. Yeah. Yeah. Since when are the conservatives reds? Conservatives are known as Reds, yes. Why? Because that's what they are termed in the United States of America. It does not have anything Who to... It, that? It has nothing to do with communism. It's oh, a di- the it's Democrats compl- are the blood brothers of the Russian communists. Okay, okay, Stop but... think about it. I, well, I, I, Who's you, involved you, with Russia? Dave, it's not here, the conservatives. You, I will agree with you on one thing. <laughs> we have a different view on what color means what. Okay. We agree on that. Okay. All right. And about the conservatives, uh, how come California had a hundred and four percent voter turnout in the last election? A hundred and four percent. What did you? How much did you say? According to one of the audits, California oh. had a hundred and four percent of the voter turnout. That's and, pretty much impossible. Well, the thing is, <laughs> according to the census. We don't have that many people. Oh, no. No, we don't have 104%. Uh, uh, Dave, thank you for the call. I hope that you're not upset for the rest of the night at all talk show hosts. Tamara from Sacramento. How are you tonight, Tamara? Good. I got a question for you. Okay. I do believe there's going to be a red wave, and I think the media is partly... uh, contributing to it because of the way that the news is continuously skewed. And my question is, how do the newscasters feel reporting the news so slanted? I mean, is it something that they feel uncomfortable with that they go home and say, oh, geez, I can't believe my station's doing this? Well, Tamara, I, I, look, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, and, I, and I've, I, I gave a speech about a week ago at an event, um, and, mm-hmm. and, and I've been saying this for quite some time. I, I've been in this business for 30-plus years, and most of it was as a, as a news reporter. Uh, right. Obviously, I'm no longer doing that anymore. I've never seen the media so divided in this country as yeah. I have today, and I think it's not a good thing. Um, I, I will say, I will also say this. I never thought I would see the amount of opinion that has crept onto the front pages of leading newspapers in this country or out of the mouths of the anchors. I, on television. Right. So now what we have to do as individuals, if you want to see a story, you have to go to two different sources yep. and they're right. going to report on the same story, but they're going to report it completely differently. You're right. And there's a reason I can't watch channel three anymore. They are so far to one side you got to wonder when they go home, and that's why I was asking you, since you have done this in the past. Tamara, I used to, when I was in the news business, and I would be in editorial meetings, um, you know, up until, you know, my last job was at CBS 13, and, uh-huh. and anybody that I've worked with will tell you that I did this. I would pound the table when we would do stories, and I would say, if we do this story, we've got to tell the other side. You, you can't just go out and put a camera in front of the faces of students who are protesting at a university yep. for whatever reason and not tell the other side. That's irresponsible. Mm-hmm. And, and not only that, the, the words, the actual vocabulary. I mean, it, it, you're not African-American, you're black if you want to incite anger. And if you 
I mean, I don't ever say hear them say white. I mean, well, look, I mean, I, 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 yeah, now I can't, I can't dig down too deep into the weeds and part and parcel just every single word that's written in every single right, script by right. every reporter. I, I, that, that's something that I cannot get into. But what I can talk about is editorial sway within yeah. news organizations. And I, I, I'm very frustrated by the fact as a news consumer and as a, a former news reporter and anchor that we are not seeing more objectivity on both sides. But when you have study after study coming out and sh- showing that 90% of the coverage of a current sitting president is negative, I don't care yeah. who it is, that there, there's something wrong there. I mean, yeah. there's something very, very wrong. And, and what they don't realize, those these editorials, is they are purposely, well, I shouldn't say purposely, they are, in, in essence, turning people red. Republican. Which they may. I don't mind. They're, I'm Republican. Well, but because of their views, they are making more Democrats red, and I love it. Well, there may be a ba- the, what they're doing. There may be a backlash, and there are political yeah. scientists who will look back at why President Trump became President Trump, oh, and yeah. he and, and 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 it may have been that that very strategy that he played that drummed up the support. You may be onto something there, Tamara. I, yep. It's it's hard to know, but you bring up a, a good point. Thanks a lot for the well, phone I know call. They're, they're dragging me further to the Republican side more than ever. So. Okay. Well, thanks a lot for the call, and thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, the time now is coming up on uh, 6.30. I do want to get to Josh, and we have another call coming in, but I, I, we just don't have time, Luis, right now, I think, to get to those guys because we got to hit this hard break, right? Okay. So let's do this. Let's hit the hard break. We got a couple of calls coming in. I want to play a little bit more from uh, from Megan Murtosh. We have one more great soundbite to play from her, and then other stories to get to for the last half hour. This is Weekend Live. I'm Sam Shane. This is KFBK. The phone number is 916 921 1530. 1 800 834 1530. Give us a call. Join in the call or join in the show, and we'll be back in a moment. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. My, what I've been doing is I've been having conversations with people and I've been asking them what's been upsetting them and then and then pointing out the fact that, that it's Democrats who have done all this to them. Democrats are the ones raising their taxes. The, the Democrats are the ones that are, you know, putting their, na- their national security at risk with, right. with this border and the sanctuary state law. So people are really upset and yeah. I'm just I'm just listening and telling them how I can help make a difference. That's Morgan Murtaugh. She is a young woman, a California Republican running for Congress in the 53rd District. That's near San Diego. And she believes there is a red wave about to take over California in the upcoming election. Let's get to Josh. He's in Nevada City with more on the red and blue discussion. That's been rather lively. Hi, Josh. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, the guy who called in a while ago and, or, or two calls ago. He said, "What's with the red, blue, the the thing between the communists?" Yes, and yes. I, I, I want to say that that guy really has a point. Oh, and what's his? What's the point? It's that he's he's literally like kind of pointing out how most of us are just like blindly moving along, and we get like told about this color, that color, purple, black, pink, yellow, whatever. Okay, so you're you're, you're saying okay, if if we referred to communists in the fifties, sixties, and seventies as reds, then why do we refer to Republicans as reds? Because actually, communism is far more liberal thinking. Correct. Somewhat okay. along what you're saying, basically, and, and and so, but so then, ultra also, everybody I, th- I would think at this point has seen the movie The Matrix. Uh, yes, 
I would say a lot of folks have. Uh-huh. And what's the reference so there? You remember there was the whole red pill versus the blue pill. Okay. Okay. So you'd like to see a uniform definition of those two colors in virtually everything in society. Let's keep it all the same. On a certain level, and so for people to kind of like bring it up as a topic so we can like, because what I want to say is that like that guy pointed out is it gets really confusing Especially when people are just trying to actually just work hard and be good and people are throwing around terms to confuse people, then it's really nice if folks who are throwing terms around to confuse people could try to define things because sometimes we can like corner them and show how they're trying to like manipulate us. Okay. All right, Josh. Thank you very much from Nevada City uh, as we further discussion of the colors red and blue on Weekend Live. 916-921-1531-800-834-1530. 916-921-1531-800-834-1530. Let's go to Ben in Rancho Cordova. Hi, Ben. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much for putting me on the air. Yes, sir. Um, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you. You're a little muffled, but not too bad. Uh, what's on your mind? Well, I just have a lot of experience in this. I was an intern in the Nixon White House, and my dad was a spy. And then he ended up as a lobbyist after that was over and uh, did a lot of research on how this stuff actually works, uh-huh. and as, as did I. So what's intriguing is if you look at the, the whole concept of Russian interference, they used to have what was called Service Alpha, which was 15,000 staff members who did nothing but mess up, you know, democratic elections. Service Alpha. And, and who, and who, no, was, what, outfit, what outfit were they representing? That was actually part of the Russian... Uh, I can't remember whether it was under GRU or KGB. I think it was KGB. But in any case, they've been interfering with our elections for 50, 60 years, well, but ben, years. But, Ben, as far as I you know, and, and I don't know how we can get you know too deep into intelligence and CIA right. work, but at the, at the end of the day, because I worked at MSNBC during the uh, second Iraq invasion and, and so on and so forth, and I would right. talk with a number of people who worked in the Pentagon for years, Counterintelligence has been always part of the scheme. It's always been part of the landscape, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's not unusual that the Russians would try to spy or manipulate our elections and the United States would do the same with them and other countries. I mean, that's how the game's played, isn't it? Oh, no question. What's intriguing now, and one of your previous callers got on, I've been... I should say I paid everybody studying it, but it was intriguing to me. What I think you're really seeing right now is that when they allowed the NSA to begin surveilling people and they had programs called Carnivore and three or four others that they didn't just take the metadata. They were actually getting your texts and your emails and your phone calls and they would send these machines. The, the, the programs would pick out various words and they used an algorithm to try and identify what was hostile. The Obama administration took a lot of that data and started, um, you know, unmasking is the term, meaning I can actually connect to a, an American. And then what's intriguing now that's starting to come out is that the it may have had a mole in the Trump campaign and that they were doing a significantly higher level of surveillance. And so I think... If you listen to the news broadcast today, what I think you have is the FBI got the dossier, which was paid for by the Democrats mm-hmm. and was funneled through MI6 and Chris Steele. Right. And it now looks like the mole probably was affiliated, I'm guessing no one has said yet, with MI6. 
mm-hmm. and that they've been surveilling. And I think what a lot of the the whole point of the Mueller investigation, in my opinion, was to try and get rid of Trump before he could expose the stuff that Obama and a lot of the senior previous administration people had done. I've heard that theory, and I've heard that theory floated a lot recently. Right, and and at the risk of getting myself in trouble, there are several people who are pretty well placed. I think this is part of how Trump actually won the election, was a senior person at NSA came over and said, hey, this is what's happening. You need to be aware of it. You you think that someone tipped off Trump prior to the election that he was being investigated? Yes. I don't think I'm fairly certain that he, that he, that he was Trump, that he was tipped off. And, and then I think that, I think Steve Bannon was the guy who actually, one of the things that's intriguing now is they used to study electoral politics as well as, you have three or four trends that happened at the time of Trump, which was that there's 65% of the American electorate is white, uh, non-Hispanic. And of that, probably a third is well-educated, two-thirds is not as well-educated. The two-thirds that's not as well-educated is about 42% of the electorate. And that part is generally more Christian, more patriotic, and it's not doing particularly well, mm-hmm. and is angry. And that's who Trump Trump tapped into. Correct, and that's Trump's base. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, I just what I wanted to put out there because I find it very frustrating when you the person was talking about the news media that what both sides of the of the of the aisle are now doing is pushing their particular narrative, mm-hmm. and it becomes very hard for the average person to figure out what's going on because mm-hmm. all you're getting is narrative. And so, I thought maybe it would be useful in the conversation to say. I think what's really being done right now is a battle on the left side of the aisle is we don't want to make it clear that the head of the CIA, the DNI, the head of the FBI were all in cahoots with Clinton, as they pretty much clearly appear to have been, and that the guys on the right side of the aisle are trying to figure out how they can bring this stuff up. And one of the challenges is, having had the TS segmented background clearance, which very few people understand, for example, Clinton, you don't have to have any intent. If you let that, if you leave it on your desk, you go to jail. Mm-hmm. So, but what's happened is the average person, without having had this background, doesn't get that that's what the real battle is now. So you've got Mueller, who's after Trump, right. to try and get him out before he's able to get this data, which the FBI, they can all stall it by saying, right. you know, it's, but- it's clear classified and you can't really it, anyway, does that make sense it does and it, but it does appear from you know and we're all the way out here in california but it, it does appear from the outside looking in that the Mueller investigation is running out of steam and it seems as though if you look at the polling data from americans who maybe don't have as much inside information as you might have that they have a perception as well that they might be grabbing at straws here uh, when when they see Stormy Daniels on 60 Minutes, and you say, okay, that that's where this investigation has has landed. That that's the end game. Uh, may, maybe the American the thing, people are picking up on it. The thing that I learned from and my father and I used to have these long conversations, and he said, if you want to know how Washington works, come up with the worst conspiratorial plan you can, and then it's probably slightly worse than that. Hmm. <laughs> and this was what he did. He had so much data because he had been 
in the in the trenches. You know, right. I used to work in the White House and talk to the president and all that. And he said, you know, it's just. If, know, if, if 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 we would expend this amount of energy that we have been expending on these investigations and trying to sling mud back and forth into solving our debt crisis, wouldn't we all be just a little bit better off? Well, let me just tell you one small story. When I went back there, I said, "What's the worst job you got?" And it was in the in the time it was flood relief. So I said, "Okay, I'll do that." And I ended up figuring out how to solve a whole bunch of stuff for flood relief and I handed out all this information to flood victims and I ultimately was fired for doing a good job because one of the things as a student without realizing it I wrote in my paper is don't bother with these state programs because the governor gutted them two years ago to fund other stuff and and Trent Lott fired me and he he laughed and he said Ben he says I'm probably doing you a favor you know you probably have no future in government the purpose (laughs) of government the purpose of politicians is to obfuscate everything Hmm. And then only reveal that portion which is favorable to you. Hmm. So anyway, I just thought I would throw that well, in the conversation. Ben, I'll tell you what, you uh I, I don't know what your background is. I've never met you, but you tell a really interesting story. So I I've got to give you kudos for that. Anyway, you have a good weekend. Thank Take you. Care. You too. I appreciate the call. Ben calling in from Rancho Cordova. Uh, we do have to take a break. We're running up against the clock. Uh, we've got more on the other side. Sam Shane here on Weekend Live at KFBK, 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio, <laughs> KFBK. All right, we're rolling into a Saturday night, Weekend Live. I'm Sam Shane. We are live in the KFBK studios. Phone number is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Thanks for joining us. Sacramento Bee is reporting that the Fab 40s house featured in Lady Bird on the market for $3.9 million. <laughs> if you're in the market for a 6,500-square-foot home, with six bedrooms, six and a half bathrooms, a pool house, a library, a wine cellar, and more. $3.9 million it was in. Ladybird goes on the market tomorrow. Boy, is this real estate market crazy right now. Crazy, I say. Time now is 6.52. Want to get to Richard Dreyfus? I'm sorry Maxine Waters is going to have to wait. Maybe till next weekend. We just plum ran out of time. And knowing Ms. Waters... There probably will be a soundbite or two to be played <laughs> in shows to come. Richard Dreyfus, big-time movie Hollywood star, says now that he has removed himself from partisan politics. He calls himself a constitutionalist, and he recently gave an interview in which a portion of it, he is critical of California colleges that he says are actively silencing conservative voices. And when one of the presidents of one of the colleges said, this is, an, this is a school, not a battlefield, I said, no, it is a battlefield of ideas, and we must have dissident, dissenting opinions on, on campuses, and I think it's uh, political correctness taken to a nightmarish uh, point of view. Political correctness taken to a nightmarish point of view from Richard Dreyfus. It's a slippery slope that many California colleges have decided to go down. UC Berkeley in the 1960s was touted as the centerpiece, the focal point 
of free speech in recent years has been shutting down conservative voices. And they're not alone. And Richard Dreyfus has a huge problem with it. What they are doing is they are shutting down discourse in America. They're shutting down thought. Open thinking. And Richard Dreyfus says that's a nightmarish point of view to take. He went on to say in this interview that far too many Americans simply do not understand the Constitution. What's most important for me is what you just mentioned haphazardly. Uh, we're over 30. Civics has not been taught in the American public school system since 1970. And that means that everyone in Congress never studied the Constitution and the Bill of Rights as you and I might have. And that is a critical flaw because it's why we were admired and respected for so long. It gives us our national identity. It tells the world who we are and why we are who we are. And without a frame that gives us the values that stand behind the Bill of Rights, we're just floating in air. And our sectors of society are not connected. Too many of us don't know the Constitution. Just don't know it. Don't understand it. Not sure why it exists, how it happened. Richard Dreyfus is spearheading a movement, by the way. You can go online and do a lot of searches and you'll find out all about it to try to get civics courses to be more actively taught in America's schools. He simply says the Constitution is being ignored and it's a very dangerous precedent in our society. He also said... Too many Americans do not know and understand our values as a country. People come from all over the world or are born into this nation without the, the, the values that we have here. That's why they came here, to get them. And what are they? You can put them in opportunity, rise by merit, and mobility and freedom. That's what we sell. And if you don't want that, You've chosen the wrong place. And you don't get a pass by being born here. You have to learn it. Even the Ten Commandments are not known at birth. You must learn them. And we must learn our values. And if we don't, we are fatally, fatally wounding ourselves. We will not have any way to really combat the ideas behind ISIS because we won't know our own. Richard Dreyfus is one of the thinkers in Hollywood. And too often we hear too much rhetorical speech giving and fist pounding that lacks gravitas. And this guy has it. He says we don't know our Constitution and we don't clearly understand our values as a country. And he's very concerned about it. He's extraordinarily passionate. The interview that I watched in which we picked out a few of those clips was really very interesting and compelling. And it made you think, because he's a guy who cares about this country and he doesn't point fingers at one particular party. He says, as a country, we've got to get better. We have to have a discussion 
We have to know our values, our constitution, and we should be willing to listen to everyone. Time now is coming up on 6.58. I'm Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live. We really appreciate you being here. We're going to be back here next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. We'll have more discussions maybe about red and blue. Who knows? Thanks for being with us. Have a great weekend. We'll talk with you later.